All right. Hello and welcome just to family. This is giving you something to talk about or just a live TV as I like to call it. I'm your host, Melissa Kretschler. I'm an identity coach, spiritual teacher, business mentor, creator and founder of the Women's Sporting Women Network, as well as, of course, the show. So <laughs> we're just going to leave it at that. Um, today's episode, we are going to be talking about how you feel about yourself impacts your body health. Um, and this is an interesting conversation that we're going to have surrounding that topic. So our sponsor today is, of course, the Phoenix Identity. Um, what are the things that you say about yourself when you're looking in the mirror? Are you saying good things about yourself? Or do you like who you are? If you're not saying loving things, you're probably not feeling a very loving life. So go and set up a clarity session with a Phoenix identity, get to know who you are and start that road to unconditional love today. All right, I'm going to hand it over to our guest speaker today. Lex, would you like to do the honors? Sure. Hey, glad to be here. I'm Lex Bucco. I call myself the optimal performance specialist, which really means I help people perform at their optimal level daily from how they sleep to how they feel in the morning to their AM and PM habits to how they run throughout the day, including productivity and what they have going on for each day so that they can create those kinds of results in their own business. I love that. You have a nickname, don't you? Herculex. Yeah. <laughs> I, like <it. laughs> I really like it. All yeah, right. My clients came up with it. I can't even take credit for it, but I love it. Yeah, I think it, it suits, right? And it, yeah. it's impactful when people know, kind of just like give you that, right? Yeah, exactly. It's like it goes with what I do. It goes perfectly with what I do. Absolutely. I love that. So you and I were talking during the pre-screening. And the reason mm -hmm. why we really um, came up with this, this topic was on that journey to health, like, like optimal health, right? Optimal health and wellness. One of the things that we don't realize is our mental health directly impacts our physical health. So when you're not feeling good about yourself and you're not saying good things about yourself, when you are just not happy with yourself, yeah. that will transform into your body. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It goes both ways, right? So when we treat our body with disrespect, that creates negative thoughts because then we think I'm not worthy. I don't deserve it. And, and it creates this whole other self-image. Like I don't trust myself because I said I was going to work out, but I don't. I said I was going to do the, eat better, but I don't. And then it just starts this spiral, right? And that connects to how we talk to ourselves. And then it goes the other way because we tend to bully ourselves inside our heads. And I always tell people, we know how awful bullying is this is why we're trying to get rid of it because we know the psychological effects it has on a person yet when it comes to inner chatter that's what most people do to to themselves and that's like one of the things that i recommend and i always start my clients off with that but i recommend it to everybody go on a mental diet go on a seven day mental diet where you're observing your thoughts every thought that you catch you observe that and you without self-judgment guilt or shame you go, oh, wow, I didn't realize I was spending 90% of my time worrying about things that are never going to happen or having a conversation in my head about a, something that happened 20 years ago. And that all, like you said, impacts our body completely to how I'm going to sleep, to how I'm going to carry myself, to how how my body performs overall in general. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things that I that I love to talk about uh, or just give people that that visual picture 
is picture your best friend or your kid or your or one of your parents, your most loved person in this entire world. And we all are get pretty violent at this at this one. But um, imagine that the person you love most in the world is sitting up on a stage and there are multiple people sitting around that stage insulting them. And just constantly insulting them. And you're watching the way that your loved one is impacted by all of the words, all of the action, all of the assault that they're getting from this group of people. Well, that's what we do to ourselves. Instead of our loved one being up there, we're the ones who are up there. And everybody around us is, it's a its a picture of us, but it's a version of somebody else. It's something somebody else has told us, right? And that's that, those are those limiting beliefs. Those are those exactly. bully moments, right? Where you know, if a teacher told you, oh, you're not good enough, or your parents told you that you couldn't be an artist or you'd be starving, or, you know, don't go down this road and don't do that. And that all culminates into our mental health, our, that belief system of who we are, what we're, what our value is, what we're meant for. Um, all of that comes down to that. But if you're not willing to watch somebody else get verbally assaulted, and emotionally assaulted by another person, why are you doing it to yourself? Why aren't we showing that same level of protection and unconditional love that we showed everybody else? And and I just want to add to that. There was such a great point that you said, you know, um, what parents said or teachers said to us, and that's us from the past. But what I see people do now is like they're, they're trying to get better for their kids, for example, without doing the inner work. And I'm like, no, they're still observing you and how you talk to yourself and how you deal with things yourself. <clears throat> so when it comes to it, you have to do the inner work to be a better person for those around you. And that means starting with changing how I talk to myself. And it's hard because you lived your whole life up until this point, believing I'm not worthy. I don't deserve it. This is my comfort zone on how I treat myself. And now that needs to change. So, of course, there's going to be some growing pains. Expect that. Just know that it's coming and just go with it. Like, oh, okay, that's just my brain trying to protect me. Because the brain is, you know, you, you decided that with one part of your brain, but the old part of our brain is trying to keep us in the same as to it feels safe in the environment that it's lived for a long time. This is why if people had stressful childhoods, they are seeking subconsciously stress in their environments as adults. Therefore, it's that much more important to do that inner work. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the ways to do that is to use all of those past experiences and get angry. If you need to get angry and go, I'm not that person anymore, that situation, I lived through that. I lived regardless of what that person said, did, thought, or felt, I lived through that. How strong am I to live through whatever it is that you've lived through at, to, up to this point, right? You've yeah. survived. You're still alive. That says a whole hell of a lot about your personal strength. Um, now, one of the reasons why I wanted to do this episode is I'm overweight. Uh, and you know what? I'm, I love my body. Am I? Do I like the fact that I'm overweight? Probably not. But I haven't done anything about it. So that's on me. Um, but again, I, I love myself. And I've gotten to a point where I don't, I don't care what other people think about my body. I love myself, right. And, you know, if it was really that damaging, I'd cut out the Pepsi and I'd exercise and I'd eat healthier. And but I don't want to right now. <laughs> I like it. I enjoy my food. Um, 
And I know that's a stereotype, so we won't go there because you don't actually have to cut out all the good food. But uh, <laughs> yeah. the things that I noticed is uh, my husband and I spent uh, about 10 years um, in northern Alberta and northern BC. And during that time, I had fun. You know, I met new people. But at the end of it, I felt like I was a, a butterfly trapped in a gilded cage, right? While that cage is gorgeous, we lived in the middle of nowhere on an acreage. The cage was gorgeous. I was alone and I was lonely and I didn't like it. And during that time, um, I gained a bunch of weight. Um, I miraculously down with um, PCOS, which I'd never had in 30 plus years until that point. Um, and I gained a ton of weight and I wasn't happy. And so fast forward, we moved back home to our, our home city where we both born and raised. And I started going to trade shows. I started to sell my products. I was, you know, being very engaging in everyday life. And this was pre-pandemic. Um, and I had a blast. And I noticed that I felt good about myself. I felt good about where I was at, what I was doing, um, the interactions that I was having. And I started to lose the weight. I wasn't exercising. I wasn't dieting. I wasn't doing anything differently, but I was losing the weight. And a lot of that came down to my own inner dialogue, my mental health, the fact that I was happy and I was out doing things. Yes. Um, I gained it back over the pandemic, of course, because <laughs> I became a hermit again. Um, yes. But that, but that was one of those scenarios. And I think that people don't realize that it really does impact. Oh, 100%. 100%. Because it stems in guilt and shame. I would say that 80% of my work with my clients is getting them rid of guilt and shame. That's mm -hmm. it's, it's so deeply ingrained in this. So what you will probably happen with you is you subconsciously release that because there was no self-sabotage of any sort. It wasn't rooted in I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. You were starting to take action in front of other people, but also action toward your goals which made you start believing I'm worthy because I'm putting work in there and I'm actually enjoying this. And so it just created this great cycle. And of course, no stress, therefore, or a different kind of stress. Like there's a, there should be a healthy stress, but no stress on my body as to what I'm seeing on my body. Therefore, I'm not eating to self-sabotage. So there's something called secondary hunger system and it gets activated whenever we talk about food, smell food or seafood, right? And, you know, that's oftentimes how people get to the dessert, even when they're full or eating when they're not hungry. And if you just know that that's half the battle, like, oh, okay, it's just, it's not even real hunger, right? Um, also, what people don't know, and this is crucial, when we have guilt and shame over our food choices, we activate the reward center in our brain, meaning we have an immediate need to reward ourselves. And that's what we do with that second cookie or third cookie or fourth cookie. And then we just wanted to do the one cookie. We ended up a whole, eating a whole bag because of that catch 22. I'm feeling bad about myself. I'm feeling guilt and shame. I'm going to do this to reward myself. And then that ultimately makes me feel horrible. So you released all of that crap and you were just like, you know what? I'm loving life. I'm living life. I feel great. And the body just went, there's nothing that it needed to hold on to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, I had a very close friend who 
beautiful inside and out absolutely stunning and very much uh, a very good portion of this person's life was um was a focal focused on uh, physical appearance and that became a self-worth thing uh their physical appearance was tied directly to their self-worth and during this process they would diet and they would deny themselves those cookies and then they would go and eat a whole bag of cookies and then hate themselves in the process so this beautiful amazing person actually hated themselves yes. because of the guilt the shame the denial the 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 de the you know the denying themselves what that what they truly want and who they truly are and it wasn't until they said this enough is enough right and that's literally if if i have to say the one way that i will say no to a client right because we all have clients we will and we won't work with my number one is you have to be at that enough is enough moment right you have to be there because if you're not there you're not going to put in the work you're, you're not, not going to have the desire or even the desperation because all of those heavy negative emotions they're needed desperation can be healthy when it's life-altering when absolutely I need to do this like i i don't want to live this way anymore because that desperation if you ignore it that turns into suicidal thoughts that turns into absolute and utter self-hatred and, and depression and you know when we're not focused on hey this is how i feel i'm going to use this feeling absolutely i i operate the same way so the way the brain operates is that way it's it's more important for it to avoid pain than to gain pleasure and people may be thinking yeah but i don't want to live like this the problem is what the brain subconsciously associates with pain whatever we're used to it's comforting for us subconsciously so it perceives something new as painful right and of course how, how we think about it and how it's really going to be, we have the freedom of choice. This is why diets don't work because they're too restrictive, too depriving, and it just doesn't work. You have to switch slowly, slowly to switch one thing at a time. And like you said, you have to have that conviction about wanting to change and know yourself. I'm driven by pain. I'm driven by what I don't want. And I have a clear picture of what I don't want. And I have a clear, beautiful picture of what I want. And I always keep both in mind. Because I always drive myself with the fact that, hey, if you don't do this, the negative stuff may happen. And that drives me enough to think of the positive stuff and say, this is what I want. So you have to work. That's why I always say, like, you have to know how the brain works because then you can be, you can make it work for you as opposed to letting it run you. You know, I wish more of the world knew um, the things that we know about mental health. I wish it was talked about more. I wish it was taught more. I wish the correlation between emotional, mental, physical, energetic, spiritual health, holistic, the whole holistic package. If, if we knew more about that, and if we spoke more about that as a whole, rather than trying to get the quick fixes, right? Because it's interesting. Everybody's looking for the quick fix, the easiest way, the pill, the, the do it this way and it's going to work. We're all looking for that quick fix, magic, magic thing that's going to change our life because we don't want to put in the work. We don't want to take the time that it takes to get to that goal, to wait for that goal to happen, to actually feel into what we're experiencing. 
And then we get stuck in that, in that desperation. That's when it becomes toxic, right? When we get stuck in that feeling. But if we actually acknowledge, hey, I'm feeling desperate today. What am I feeling desperate about? What, what, what do I need to change? What action can I take today to get to my goal? When we actually figure out the process, I've created the rockstar method, which is how to get you out of your emotional, like when you are emotionally charged about something, you're not going to get anything accomplished at all. Exactly. Um, so I created a method that takes you out of that emotional charged, emotionally charged slum within seconds. If you learn how to do it and you do it properly, it takes minutes. Um, and that when, when it doesn't, it doesn't have to take, you don't have to spend months trying to figure out your emotional health. You don't have to spend months trying to figure out or years trying to figure out your pattern, your processes. It can be a quick fix when you put in the work. When you say, okay, this is taking me in my comfort zone, but what if it works? And it's so true. Um, you know, there's that rule 80-20, they say, right? Like 20% of your clients are going to do 80% of work or something like that, you know? But it's it's true. I always joke around and I say, hundred, like, I guarantee results. And that's that what I say. I'm like, 100% of my clients get results, the ones that do the work, right? Like, that's the key. And that's what you were saying. You work with people who come to you and say, um, you need to be at the point where you're ready because you can. And, and when I was really more into just the health part of things, I would tell people, I'm like, I can't wish your health more than you would. Like, okay, perfect example. When you just said at the beginning of the, of the call, you said, I'm perfectly happy with where I am and I'm not willing to change certain things. And that's so good because you've got to know where you are, right? You've got to know where you are. And th there may be a day that comes, you know, like, you know what? I'm ready to change some stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Great. You can't force anybody to change, but they have to get to that point. Once they get to that point, like you said, there's tools, there's things, there's methods, there's so much out there, but it has to be done. In, there has to be action that has to be worked on. That's how we actually rewire the brain. Meditation is great. I, I put that with my clients. I have like recorded meditations for them that works. But it only works as an add-on to taking action because in that action taking, you start feeling worthy. You start feeling that, oh, I can trust myself. Okay, I'm going to do what I said I was going to do. And that changes that inner belief. I, I truly believe that nothing will ever change without the action. And I believe in meditation 100%. It just, the work has to be there wholeheartedly um i so i have been a smoker for 30 years i'm and that's horrible because i'm you know my late 30s 40 this year um i've been smoking since i was nine years old off and on and that's nothing i'm proud of i i say that because it's transparency i have been right i grew up in a family that smoked i you know experimented very young with it and i it stuck and so during that process i've you know i i've quit for the longest I quit was two years and it was almost 20 years ago. And during that time, um, I ended up starting again. And so within the last month or month and a half, um, my son over the last two years has been vaping. And I was like, it's getting really, really sick of smoking. <laughs> it's getting really, really sick of the cost. And I was getting really, really sick of the smell. Because I would go for a cigarette, I'd come back in, I'd smell my husband and my mother-in-law and myself, and I'd be like, oh, like I can't stand the smell anymore. 
And so it kept getting into my head. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. And I don't want to do this anymore. And if anybody knows addiction, it's not that easy to quit. And so what I did is I started vaping and my son, he's like, mom, you're not going to start vaping, just vaping. You're going to do both. And I said, of course, I am going to do both at first until I find something that works for me. I'm going to do both at, at first and I'm going to cut back on the smoking. I am exclusively vaping and I have been for the last month and a half. And with that, I feel like I can actually quit vaping easier than I would have smoking. But if I hadn't have been ready, if that hadn't have been in my head for so long, if I hadn't have said that, I'd still be smoking. And you can go deeper into that emotional reason why. Like I started smoking early. I'm originally from Europe, which is like everybody smokes over there. And um, in my 20s, I I think I was 20. Maybe I just hit a 20, 21. So this is after many years of smoking. a very good friend of mine's dad died from lung cancer because he was a heavy smoker. We were close and he, it was just not to get graphic. It just wasn't a pretty death, which it never is. But anyway, it meant it, it became, it became so emotional for me that in that moment, I literally, that was it. My, I, I rewired my brain with that decision. I was like, I'm done. And it was so strong. That's that work that we're putting and we're talking about in like that conviction was so strong that I remember standing in a, I still remember it was Walgreens. I was standing in a line behind a gentleman who smelled like smoke a few days after that. And, you know, smokers often quit and they say, I still like the smell of it. I was disgusted by this. I could not stand the smell of it. And then rest assured, I went into fitness and completely went to the other side. But you change things either like you did, either slowly reducing. That's why like when it comes to food, you don't do cold turkey with sugar. You slowly reduce, like if you were to drop Pepsi, you slowly reduce, you find something else to substitute with. You should never feel restricted or deprived. Or when that something in your life happens, there's a life event that happens that makes you just change your brain literally in an instant because you were that ready to change it from your mind. Wholeheartedly, Um, which is interesting because my own father died uh, from emphysema, which you would think that that would have, you know, shotgunned me at 16 to quit, but no, uh, I was in my rebellious years. Um, It it is. And and I think that if I could say one thing that anybody could take away is just love yourself first. And, and for those who, who don't hear you when you say love, because some of them are like, how do I even love myself, right? Just work on accepting yourself, like tolerate yourself at first. Because I did that, right? Like I had to learn to just tolerate myself. And then after tolerating, there comes some kind of an acceptance, which is like neutral, right? Like I don't really love myself, but I don't really hate myself either. Then as you work on you, work has to be in, you slowly start accepting one more and then, oh, I don't like myself. There's still things I don't like about me, but that's not who I am. And then you get to a lot part. So, you know, yes, love yourself. And if that's really hard for you right now, just just learn to tolerate yourself, right? Like you just move from hate a little bit further up. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. That's you're so right, and it is because there are a lot of people at that stage who just don't even that isn't even a possibility at this point. And, and that, and it makes sense and find help, uh, find somebody who can help you tolerate yourself, 
who can help you not to hate yourself at every turn, every corner. Um, it's, it's worth it. And it's absolutely and utterly worth it in the end to, to put yourself first. And again, start doing that just by going, you know, I don't hate myself. Yeah. And, and, and anything can change, right? It's not that you hate yourself or your life. It's that you don't like who you think you are. But accepting the fact that you will actually have the freedom to choose who you want to be, that will give you peace because that will give you ammunition to start working on you and to start changing that. It's the same. It's like if people are, you know, who have suicidal thoughts, it's not that you want to end your life. It's that you want to end the current situation that you're in. If, if things around you were great, you would not have felt that way probably, but you have the power to change one thing at a time. And like Melissa said, there are people out there like us who can help. There's there's other people, there's there's help out there. There's a lot of people feeling the same way. We've done it, I've changed. I was in a very dark place years ago. I've changed 180, like I don't even know who I was 10 years ago. I know it's possible. And I'm sure you have times too, at times. For sure. Absolutely. And it's never too late. It is never too late and it is never too early. Um, if I could go across the world and help our teens learn who they are at a young age so that they don't go through half the shit that we went through with our mental health, um, that's one of my missions. That's that's a legacy. I, My husband and I had that conversation about a month ago. He said, "What what is the purpose? And I said, I'm leaving a legacy. That's my purpose. Um, I love that. And it's, it's just mental health, right? It's mental and emotional health. We're getting into that society right now where that is paramount to our soul, okay. is learning emotional and mental health. That's why I talk about the brain. Like we do it from different angles. Mine is brain functioning because that really is mental health, right? Like how am I, I, I go about it differently because I help a person sleep better, think better, eat better, which in, in turn helps the brain function. And then the whole thoughts and the energy and we're talking about different things. But there are people like the functional medicine practitioners are starting to emerge. And they are the, really the ones that are connecting Western and Eastern medicine, really, because they usually have a background and in, 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 in medicine. And then they go and de dig deeper into the thoughts and the childhood and everything of a person. So I'm excited to see what they're going to do. Yeah, sounds like it'll be interesting. Um, okay, is there anything else you'd like to add before we get going? Just what you said, reach out if you need help, like reach out if you're not happy, be ready to do the work, but it's worth it. Whatever, at the end of the day, I, I, I can't tell you how many people I've, I've, I've heard say, you know, when I look back, it wasn't even that hard, right? Like it's, it's, it's work and it's work and it, you're going to fail and it takes time, but at the end, it's not going to feel like it was that bad and it's going to be worth it. Yep. Um, Every single one of my clients has come to me at the worst point of their life where, where enough is enough, they're done. They can't handle uh, where they're at or, or how they're feeling anymore. And within six months to a year, they're good and they don't need me anymore. Right. And yeah. 
I think if we can get everybody to that point, they, they don't need it anymore. Yeah. Um, and just have the tools and the techniques and the mental health to maneuver through the rest of their life. It's going to be life changing. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Um, if anybody wants to connect with Lex, you can do so. Her links are in the description of this video uh, or episode, depending on how you're watching um, or listening. So go and check her out. She's got Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and TikTok. Go and check her out. Follow her. See what she's got going. She's got a book called The Fad Diet. Um, and yeah, go and check that out. Our sponsor today, A Phoenix Identity. Um learn how to love yourself. Um, your identity, your true identity isn't supposed to be where you're at. (laughs) Where you're at is where everybody else told you you were supposed to be. Um, learn who you are and, and how to really truly start living a life that you love living. All right. Um, Lex, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. All right. Well, to all of you, have a wonderful afternoon, morning, or evening, depending on when or where you're watching. Um, If you would like to be a guest speaker, blogger, sponsor, or if you would like to see a topic featured on the show, please check us out uh, and reach out at justalivetv.com. Go and check out all of our past episodes from season one and uh, what we have so far of season two. I'm your host, Melissa Kretschler. I will see all of you on the next episode.